I'm Ashley Primus of Philadelphia Magazine, and you're listening to the Travel Mug Podcast with Matt O'Donnell. We are watching a generational identity crisis unfold as we speak. Or at least that is what Ashley Primus talks about in a fascinating article in Philadelphia Magazine. Whether you are a Gen Xer, a millennial, a baby boomer, an iGen, or whatever, you will want to listen to this episode of the Travel Mug Podcast and Ashley's thoughts on how one of those generations feels like it is being crushed in a vice. Travel Mug, here we go. Here with Ashley Primus from Philadelphia Magazine. You're the executive editor over there. And Ashley, I, I read this article you wrote about Generation X mm-hmm. and... Full disclosure, we are both members of Generation X. <laughs> I was going to ask. Yes. So, so uh, I, I thought it was really fascinating. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, but what I first wanted to do before that is just sort of remind people, first of all, who are baby boomers? When were they born? So there's no no one really 100% agrees on generational things. So I'll talk with a couple. I can't specifically say like 1965, but... Speci- you know, most people agree that it's somewhere in the mid-60s is the start of Gen X. So 64 is Gen X, kind of to eight, like 80, 82 is where it ends, and mm-hmm. then the millennials take over. And before that, the boomers are like 42 to the mid-60s. Right as the war right was the, winding down. Right as the war was winding down. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you have iGen, which is also known as Generation Z. Yeah, I think they're not 100% clearly named yet, but <laughs> some people are saying iGen, people are saying Gen Z. Yep. So they're sort of like what Twitter used to use when you didn't have a profile picture. They're the eggs. Exactly. <laughs> and they're yet, waiting to hatch. Exactly. We're yet to, society is yet to decide who they are yet. So the article is called, Whatever Happened to Generation X? Why did you write the article? So I was having one of my Gen X um, moments in life where I have a, you know, my husband and I both have intense full-time jobs. We have two kids that we are working around the clock for. We feel like we don't have any help. We feel like we're always working. And our life is great, right? We live in a lovely house. We live downtown. We love our neighborhood. We have so much to be thankful for. But sometimes it just feels like life is just hard, right? And You know, I was thinking about what my mom's life was like. I was thinking about what my parents' life was like. And I just don't ever recall them struggling to this level that I am, just this emotional struggle. I talk to my friends. We go out for drinks. And all we do is bitch and complain about hard hard things are, you know. But we're fine. We're good. You know, know, hashtag feel so blessed. Sure, sure. But, you know. And I was thinking, you know, I I just, I wonder what my parents' life was like when they were in my position. And I just don't think that they were as stressed and worried about money and just working as hard. I thought they enjoyed life a little bit more or were able to than I was. Despite having, you know, possibly endured a portion of World War II and the beginning of the Cold War. Absolutely. But they were, they, they were making their money and they were in their child rearing, you know, bearing ages when in the 80s and 90s when it was like money was falling from the ceiling and the stock market was great and everyone Reaganomics. was happy. Reaganomics. <laughs> and then Clinton and then, you know, everyone was good. Suburbia was wonderful. And, you know, you didn't have, there wasn't too much to worry about. I mean, I'm being general here because there was plenty to worry about. Sure. But they didn't have this 24-hour news cycle. They didn't have all of this fear and they didn't have all of this stress you know, my parents never had to worry about 401ks and retirement. My dad had this great guaranteed pension, and he had, he was working his way up the career ladder. I'm constant. My husband and I both work for companies that are 
outdated technology. You know, my husband works for a company that does printers and copiers, you know, and I work for a magazine which prints on paper, you know, and we, we like to say we both are in companies that print on paper, which is not a good place to be these days. And we're not even, we're just approaching our 40s. And I'm like, for me to feel out, for us to feel outdated and have to reinvent ourselves in our 40s, it just felt like, shouldn't this be happening? Shouldn't I be having these existential crises when I'm in my late 50s, my early 60s, when I'm really looking at retirement? Um, and my friends were echoing the same thing. So I was just sort of been thinking about these thoughts on a couple of levels, on a personal level. And then I thought, you know, I wonder if this is a story for the magazine. I texted my editor one night and I said, you know what? It sucks to be in Generation X, you know, <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I was like, I, I think I want to write this story. And he was like, this is this is great. Like, you know, magazines have a great traditions of doing generational stories. Sure. And it's been a while since one. And, and I said, and you know what? I'm so sick of hearing about the boomers. I'm so sick of hearing about the millennials. <laughs> no one ever talks about people in middle age. You well, know? you don't complain the entire time. I mean, I it is very well researched. You talk to a, a variety of people, including yep. experts. Yes. And I did highlight some things that you, you've kind of already covered, but we'll kind of go through it. And I encourage people who are listening to this to, you know, maybe you can stop the podcast and read it, but you don't well, I, you know what? Stop and read it and then come back to us uh, for uh, Ashley's sake. But in the beginning, you talk about how in this adulthood of ours, we have to deal with mass shootings, police shootings, ISIS, 401ks blowing up, and especially these last couple of weeks, mm -hmm. social media trolls, GMOs, corporate malfeasance, education reform, melting ice caps, bullying, high deductible plans, co-parenting, fake news. And you write, I'm pretty sure that in 1984, when you asked someone in the elevator how his weekend was, he said, good, instead of busy. Yes. <laughs> when did we get so busy? When did we get so busy? I don't know. I think it's like the working parent thing. Everyone is dual so income families. So when mom started to work? I think that has something to do with it. I mean, that was definitely happening, you know, a lot in the 80s and 90s when I was a child growing up. Um, but I think what's changed is the cultural, the culture around parenting, I think has become so intense that it's like, you just feel that all of your time needs to be, your free time needs to be dedicated to your children. Or you'll be judged on Facebook. Or you will be judged, or you, exactly. You'll be judged on social media, you'll be judged by your friends. Or you'll judge yourself because you see everything that everyone else is doing and you're only seeing a highlight reel. Exactly. You don't see all the battles and fights they're having with their teenagers yes, over dinner. Totally. I mean, my mom think my parents think it's funny that we feel this pressure to like wake up on Saturday mornings and take our kid to practices and classes. My my parents are like, isn't that what they do all week at school and after school? Why are you spending your weekends doing this? You know. Um, but it's like, well, because everyone else is. Everyone else's kid is learning how to play baseball. My kid has to learn how to play baseball. So I think it's just, I think the, the cultural change, social media on top of the dual income thing is just we're all really tapped. I think if you're in middle age these days, you're just, you're, you're, you're exhausted and, and pretty tapped. So the premise of the article is that Generation X has been sandwiched in between baby boomers and millennials. Yes. And there is sort of like this feeling of being caught between and being ignored, but at the same time, Generation Xers being at fault because they don't really promote themselves Correct. the way that baby boomers and millennials do. Explain what you mean by that. So um, our generation has often been called the middle child, the stepchild, the forgotten generation because we're stuck between these two generations that are pretty self-centered, pretty love to really talk about and You're themselves. okay with saying that because I'm sure that people uh, who are listening who are in those generations are like, well... 
let's not judge here. Right. Well, so I've gotten a lot of emails and reader response and um, to this article, and most of the positive ones have been from Gen Xers, and sure. anyone who's mad is either a millennial or a baby boomer. <laughs> no surprise. Um, no surprise. So, you know, and that's fine. That's what made them the great generations they are. They're countercultural thinkers. They're revolutionaries. They don't accept what's in front of them. They question everything, and that's what makes them great and who they are. They're loud, and they're they don't want to follow the rules. So, but our generation, we're just, you know, we were the slackers. The history of our generation was we were kind of, because they were so busy worrying about their lives, our baby boomer parents and such, we kind of just did our own thing. We were apathetic. Mm -hmm. Like, our rebellion was no rebellion. Our rebellion was like, whatever, mom. You know, that was our, that was our way. Um, And so, we just kind of always became this practical, pragmatic, you know, people, Time magazine put Gen X on the cover in 1990 and called us, you know, the, the whatever generation, right? Like, no one cared about us. And then it turned out we were they were wrong, right? Like, 10 years later, 20 years later, we were the ones who started working really hard. We put our head down. We grew up. Um, and I think we've carried those traits throughout. And when you're stuck between two, you know, giant groups of people, because first of all, that's one thing. They are just massive groups of people. Yes, you have the numbers where there are 75 million baby boomers, 75 million millennials, and 66 million Gen Xers. Yeah, so there's less of us, and that 66 million Gen X number was actually bolstered by immigration, so Mm -hmm. our actual birth rate was even lower. There were like 50-something million. It's, It's ironic. Is it ironic? I, I had to ask Alanis Morissette this, but uh, <laughs> baby boomers not having as many children. Yes, I mean, absolutely. Because they, this is, you know, while they were in their child-rearing years, they also started to do everything, right? They started to, the mom started to enter, the women started to enter the workplace, and they started to care a lot more about us. They they rejected religion and kind of those cultural bases sure. of um, having lots of kids and f- nuclear family home, and they kind of threw all of those rules aside, and that affected us, you know, the Gen Xers. So you get to the end of the article, and, and we're going to talk more about it, but I just want to mention the fact that you ended on a strange note is sort of a curveball where you mentioned Dave Chappelle's recent yes. <laughs> Netflix uh, comedy routine. Yes. And it was this whole thing. I don't know if you've seen it at home, but there's a whole thing about Care Bears. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I was I was watching Chappelle's. Um, I found myself lately being all of a sudden enamored with watching comedians again. And I think it's because I just want to laugh and have fun because the world feels so serious all of a sudden. So I was watching Chappelle's, one of Chappelle's recent things, and he did this whole, and he's a Gen Xer through and through. um, And he did this whole bit on Care Bears, which just really, the whole concept of doing a bit on Care Bears made me laugh because (laughs) it's such a silly thing, right? Um, But it it was totally 80s. It was totally 80s. And the fact that people in the audience were even laughing or that he would even spend his time. I mean, this guy is such a dirty comedian, the fact that he was talking about Care Bears. Um, But it resonated with Gen Xers because Care Bears were something we all, you know, grew up with. And um, he, you know, he basically talked and said what what he said was that, you know, you knew who these people were because they wore their emotions right on their sleeves, right, right on their chest, right? You were happy, you were grumpy. And that when something got really bad, they didn't walk away from any problem. They locked arms and they stared at it and they literally shot love out of their eyes. <laughs> and it made, How often do you see that happen right, these exactly. days? Exactly. <laughs> and it made me laugh and it made me think that that is exactly what Care Bears and my generation does. Like we, we don't whine, we don't complain, we put our heads down, we face the problem and we just like plow forward no matter how hard it is. And that's causing me and other people angst in our lives at the current moment. But the truth is like... 
I still get out of bed every morning and I still try my hardest and I still go to work and I still raise my kids and I keep on going. Um, and that, that just bit that he did really, I th- thought that what he was saying and it really resonated with me with the story. I'm here with Ashley Primus from Philadelphia Magazine and we're going to take a quick break and come back and ask her, what next? Start your weekday mornings with Matt, Tan, David, Karen, the Action News Morning Team. We start your day at 4.30 a.m. Back with the Travel Mug Podcast and Ashley Primus, the executive editor at Philadelphia Magazine. I'm Matt O'Donnell, and we're talking about her article, very controversial, (laughs) unless, of course, you're a Generation Xer and you understand completely. It is called Whatever Happened to Generation X. Now, we've been through this whole litany of things and Mm -hmm. sort of setting up the whole premise of your article. Mm -hmm. So what what do we do about it, if anything? Yeah, you know, it's funny. (laughs) I mean, like, I don't imagine Gen Xers are going to rebel against anything. Um, I think that, uh, if anything, the response that I got from Gen Xers, it was just, like, nice to be heard and nice to be That's exactly the way I felt. Yeah. Like, I was like, wow, someone talked about me. (laughs) Yeah, someone's, like, recognizing my problems and legitimizing the fact that life is hard for us. But that's okay. You know, that's okay. But, um... And I know people might be rolling their eyes because you and I are, are in uh, doing pretty good in our professions. Absolutely. We have wonderful families. And so there's, I guess, an asterisk, really. Definitely. Is, by the way, I'm worried constantly about stuff. Yes. Yes. <laughs> constantly. <laughs> so it's hard to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Right. But you do still appreciate it. Definitely. I mean, you're trying to sit on both sides of the fence, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think the thing that... To me, this the the change that we could have and the thing that could really happen in the end is, you know, we'll eventually start to even amass more seats of power. You know, we'll... Yeah, you you mentioned Rebecca Reinhardt, who yes. won the city controller yes. job out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And she's a Generation Xer, and she had a lot of Generation X-esque responses to your questions. She really did, and she pointed out as to other Gen Xers now that have called her office and are saying, I'm, I'm seeing what you did, you know, so I think that there is going to be, the baby boomers are eventually going to have to go, um, eventually, even though there's... <laughs> Meaning retire. Retire, Stop working. of course, of course. Although, you know, I mentioned a stat in the, in the article that part of the reason why Gen Xers aren't maybe making as much money as our parents did at our age as a generation is because those baby boomers are just working so much later. Then they're just not retiring. And um, it's because people are living longer. Our minds are able to be more proficient at yep. what we do. And, and they're probably better at what they're doing than we probably could, Ab- right? <laughs> absolutely. So they're they're kind of still holding those top positions, whether it be in politics or um, businesses, management. So uh, once they eventually go and the um, baby boomers can kind of step into that position a little bit more, which I think, you know, the older baby boomer generation is doing now and the younger ones are, are starting to get there. I think we will have the ability to make subtle changes. Um, I think the I think the boomers who are in charge now are very reactive to the millennials, and that's par- partially this cultural upheaval that we mm. feel. You know, I think they very much – they raise the millennials, you know, and they want to make the millennials happy. They want to be their best friend. Everything that they say, you know, you want a ping-pong table? Let's get a ping-pong table. Sure. You need happy hour? Let's, Let's get a happy hour. Let's drink at work, yes. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that the every boomer that I spoke to or every Gen Xer that I talked to for this article who was in a position of power at business was a little bit more reticent to be like, 
I love your ideas, millennials. I love your spirit. I love the way you question the world. But, like, you still got to be at work at 830, you know, and, and you can't wear flip-flops. And so I think that as we amass, as we come into positions of power more, we will kind of almost, you know, tamp down the, the cultural upheaval. Now, in the article, you talk about how Generation X transformed into something that many people would not have been able to predict yes. and something very worthwhile in society. So wouldn't millennials be able to do this, sort of the same thing? I hope so. I mean, I think that millennials are getting older. They're starting to have kids. They're, I guess, in theory, starting to buy houses, but I don't think any of them really are interested in doing that too much. Um, I, I mean, I hope so. We talk about this all the time at our magazine. You know, these are our future readers. Are they going to want to read a magazine and, and read the content that we produce? Um, and I think everyone matures and grows, so I absolutely have faith. Um, I think they'll do it in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think at some point, and this you know, this current news cycle and this situation that we're going through politically and culturally with the Me Too movement, it's blowing the lid off of everything. And I think that they'll, they'll seek real information and they'll start to really wonder things themselves and have some deep introspective moments about what, you know, what is my place in this world? How do I want to handle situations and problems? Um, So I do ultimately have faith in humanity. (laughs) I spoke to a group of millennials during the election season at Temple University. It was a big gathering of, of people who are interested in politics or in college. And I told them, you know, everyone tells you that you're lazy that you're arrogant, that you're self-centered. I'm a Generation Xer. That's the exact same thing they said about me. It's true. So maybe we're just going full circle. Maybe we are. And that would be great. I mean, I think every generation can probably say, you know, hates the generation below them, right? (laughs) Um, It's really about competition. I mean, a lot of your article is about how, you know, competing for the same jobs. And they want something new and shiny, so they'll hire a millennial over, say, a Generation X or sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, we cost more at this moment, and we have... Yeah, we have kids. We need need more time off. And, (laughs) um, yeah, we're a little bit needier. So I think absolutely it's... I think absolutely it's about competition. Could it be really just about how millennials have been later to the child-rearing game? Could, and that could be the biggest game changer here. I think that's true. I think for for me personally, too, and, and some of the people I talked to in the story, um, I think Gen Xers feel prematurely older because the technology in the world below them has changed so rapidly. Um, I have one person in here saying that at age 38, she feels like she's an, an old woman because she doesn't literally understand about social media. You know, And it's like for you to feel that when you're not even 40 – to feel outdated is sure. like hard. Sure, and yeah. that can you can feel outdated one hour after the next yes. for the latest reason that has come up. Exactly, <laughs> you never know what's coming at you. Yeah, we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to talk about what I think is the seminal moment when Generation Xers were children. Okay, when we come right back. Music for the Travel Mug Podcast is brought to you by the band A Pregnant Light. You can find more information and downloads on APL's Bandcamp page. Ashley Primus, executive editor at Philadelphia Magazine. The article is called Whatever Happened to Generation X? I have it written right here on my piece of paper. All right, so I I mentioned the seminal moment, in my opinion, when... Generation X was in the child days. November 20th, 1983. Okay. The ABC television network aired the movie The Day After. Okay. 
It dramatized what would happen in a nuclear conflict with what was then the Soviet Union. 62% of the American viewing audience watched the program. Some suggest the narrative played a role in ending the Cold War. Are you not one of the 62% who watched the movie? I did not watch the movie. You didn't. I did not. So I I come up with a seminal moment, and you didn't (laughs) even take part in that. (laughs) No, but, I mean, I do think the point is that, yeah, there were these these touchstones throughout culture. I mean, that kind of changed the way people thought about things and the way things were raised, kids were raised. Do you remember the fear that everyone had of a a nuclear conflict, how real that was? Oh, absolutely. My, um, My uncle was actually worked for the CIA as a Russian translator. And he told my grandfather to build a bomb shelter in his backyard in Long Island. And my grandfather did that. Um, so it was like, yeah, it was, a, it was a wild time. So have we come full circle in that? Because North Korea has now joined a number of rogue nations with nuclear weapons. We know that they can fire a missile to hit the continental United States. Some think they can go as far as the East Coast. And I feel like there's more and more people talking about this threat again. Yeah. And the difference here is that there's so many other distractions that I don't know if you can really get people to to realize (laughs) we're two minutes to midnight. I totally agree with you, and and that's such an interesting part of the time that we live in now in this culture of fear. It's... It's like, is that is that more terrifying than the, the mass shootings? Is it more terrifying than the fact that now they're saying New York City might be underwater in 80 years, not 180 years? I mean, you know, it's like there's so many things to be scared about, and you hear about it all the time. Um, and it's numbing. I think the effect is numbing, and I just think we all... The school shootings is completely numbing. It's it, completely numbing. When another one happens, it's... It doesn't when, even make when the they, news sometimes. Yeah, when they used to happen, it would be wall-to-wall coverage because it was horrifying. And, yeah, it would, we're definitely numb by these things. It, and it's, you know, I just, it's hard to know, you know, what could what could turn people's culture, unless all of this together, you know, you know, people talk about the 60s and that whole era and all these different pieces that came together to change this whole culture. I mean, we're, I think, in the middle of something like that now. So in 20 years, what will we look back and see as this time period? I think uh, the unfortunate thing is in the 60s, the assassinations were really what woke people up. Definitely. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched Mad Men. Yes. There uh, are moments in that series where they, they incorporate JFK and yeah. Martin and and you know we weren't alive back then but the amount of fear that people had yeah. and f- the feeling that the world was going to come to an end because these leaders are getting assassinated yeah. and that's the unfortunate thing I think 9-11 was obviously a touchstone Definitely. and it woke a lot of people up but it's been it's been a while 17 years yeah it's been a while um it are all of these subtle things that are coming together that kind of make us fearful every single day? Will, will the tide turn and then we'll be able to see the world in a different way? I don't know. It feels like things can't get much worse. But, um, <laughs> well, let's end on a positive note. Let's end on a All positive right. note. What was your favorite movie in the 80s? Oh, gosh. I, it would have to probably be like Breakfast Club. That, I was going to say yeah. the same. That really kind of encapsulated 
everything. So it was just And it was so really good. the simplest thing. It was a bunch of guys and gals talking in the library. Totally. And it just, I just, it was so my high school. It was like, it looked like my high school. I had that, I had that coach, that teacher, you know. I mean, I had all those people. It just, it was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Do you wish that MTV showed videos again? Uh, that would be so nice. Although the videos these days are so terrible. They're really? all so boring. Really? They're just like girls in scantily clad clothes yeah. dancing around over and over and over. As the Bible said, there's nothing new under the sun. Yes. They just recycle the <laughs> same ideas over and over again. Do you wish that VH1 would stop playing top ten uh, on lists on everything? Or what, everyone has a top ten list about everything? Everyone has a top ten list. I mean, our Meg, we're guilty of that, too. I mean, it's 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 fun to debate. It's fun to debate, but but yeah. Did you ever own a Care Bear? Of course. Many. Well, how, how many did oh, you have? A couple. I mean, I had two. there were two different sizes. They were all set up on my bed in a very specific order. I would get very mad if my mom changed <laughs> the order of my Care Bears. I didn't have one, but I did have a Stretch Armstrong. Oh, yeah. And my brothers and I fought over it constantly. And one time I had one arm and my brother had the other arm. And we stretched, <laughs> stretch Armstrong, and he broke. And I don't know if you ever realize there's, like, purple jelly in that. Oh, gross. And it went everywhere. Everywhere. It was oh. probably toxic. I'm sure. I'm but that sure. was back when we used to be driven to school and someone would be smoking in the car with the right. windows up. Seatbelts were, seat were optional. <laughs> they smoked on planes. On planes everywhere. It was disgusting. On airplanes. Yeah. I mean, my family had a um, no seatbelts in the back seat rule. Like, it was a rule. Like, you didn't have to wear a seatbelt if you were in the back seat. I will tell you, too, though, we um, ran art for, with this story, if everyone wants to go back and look at it, and our art team sourced all these original Gen X materials, and we found an original pair of, like, 1984 or 83 um, Jordans, and I was looking at the story, and I, I love, I, like, fell in love with them again, and I love them so much, and I went, I went looking for them, and I found a pair at Ubique on Walnut Street, a new, they just released a new Air Jordan High Air Tops. Air Jordan High Tops, and I bought them, and I love them, and I've been wearing them every day. I'm like, this is my Gen X, this is my Gen X fight song, these these high tops. Michael Jordan was awesome. He was awesome. He was fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, all right, he, let, let's, like, think big picture here. Okay. When you look at where we are as a people, as a nation, as beings on this earth, mm -hmm. <laughs> what positive things do you see in the future? Just anything. Yeah, let's see. That's gonna because I have I have a bunch. Yeah, but I was able to think about it, so right. I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think that I think social media is really interesting, and I think we're just in the beginnings of it. And I think that I think people will the chaos of it will tamp down a little bit and then I think it will really be used for a force of good. I agree. Um, so I'm excited to see if it doesn't corrupt and kill us all in the meantime. <laughs> um, I'm excited to see where what social media means for like my daughter's generation. Sure. Um, so because it really is a very incredibly powerful tool. Isn't it funny how quickly they are able to figure it out? It's amazing. Children? They just it's instinctual. Well, like you give them an iPad they know exactly in how to second. use it. Yep. And my parents I had to coach him oh, oh, a yeah. while <laughs> yeah. like they would push on the ipad harder if something wasn't working as if it were a button that was stuck <laughs> there's, a, there's a commercial out now with a, a son who's sitting across his parents and says mom dad i've got some bad news i just can't be your it person anymore uh. yeah. um another you know another positive thing i think is i think that um this return to wanting to understand news and media obviously we're both in news and media mm -hmm. but is really 
good and to see in, such engagement and interest and curiosity and people really you know everyone said social media and the internet was going to kill reading and knowledge and I think it's actually done the opposite I've the seen appetite so, has grown it, the appetite has grown and it's incredible to be in journalism right now I think to st- really produce smart stories and interactive stories and high quality journalism and content and people are curious about learning things on their own mm-hmm. they just don't want to be fed information anymore um, so I'm that's I think that trend will continue to grow I hope so they might break up the big four and that would possibly lead to change at the very least facebook amazon apple and google yes absolutely um that would be a big deal uh i'm going to throw out a few you can tell me what you think i think automated vehicles are going to be a really good thing they're going to be bad because i know it's going to cost jobs yes but the amount of highway deaths in this country is just staggering and that would once they crack the code that will that will be a thing of the past and maybe one day we'll be like i can't believe we used to drive our own cars (laughs) Uh, I mean, cancer and heart disease, you have to wonder when are they going to cure them. And I think that it'll be within our lifetimes, hopefully. Yeah, major breakthroughs here in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, I think they'll figure out better ways of governing people. Yes. Uh, Like democracy point two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that that's probably right. We're probably at the low point of some kind of systemic breakdown It's a little messy right now. (laughs) And... I think you know the scientists will figure out something with climate change. Uh, I think that we will be able to colonize other celestial bodies, yeah. and maybe one day we'll have alien contact, and that could be the seminal moment to get people to really see the big picture together. That would be pretty amazing. I'm getting a little deep here. I like it though. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I hope so. On the um, environmental changes, that would be climate change breakthroughs would be incredible. Um, and I'm into the aliens. I think they'll love Facebook. Have you ever seen Arrival? Yes. That was the best alien movie it ever. It was. It was terrifying. It was terrifying, but it was uplifting. It was. In the I way mean, that it ended. Very, very interesting. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it. If I, it you know, but by, what's the, the spoiler date? Yeah, where it's like past. you can't spoil it anymore. We're the movie's been out it. for three years. Will you go see it? Yeah, it's very, it is. It's very, it's very, very good. But it would be so like humans to assume that aliens are one way and have them be something completely different. Yeah, well, the, the, we may have seen some, and yeah. because they're so different that we wouldn't even have known. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not going to be these big-headed yes. eyeball things that sort of float around and you know yeah. do hocus-pocus stuff. All those, Ashley, all those wrong Halloween costumes, all those years. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, it's been really fantastic talking to you. Thanks for having me. And, uh... Thanks for joining us on the Travel Mug Podcast. Yeah, no problem. Good stuff, good stuff. We're always looking for interesting people and interesting stories on the Travel Mug Podcast. Send me your ideas on social media. I'm extremely accessible on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, Travel Mug, over and out.